Hey there. Welcome. Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 128. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what is up? Not much. After listening to last week's podcast, I kind of reeled it in today. So I didn't have a before. <laughs> so I figured, yeah, crack one open for the actual opera. I actually waited. I was good today. I actually waited for the opera today. Yeah, you hit it pretty hard uh, the before the podcast even started last week. <laughs> I got to say, I'm impressed to myself. I started adding up how much I drank. I'm like, yeah, that was a ton. Well, when I was doing the, like when I was posting it online the next day, I, you know, I was looking up the link for that beer that you had, that milkshake. Oh, that, yeah. What was it called? Uh, it was a McKellar. Uh, I forgot what it was called. Like vanilla milkshake or something. It was a vanilla stout or something or vanilla porter. Um, oh, it was a vanilla stout. I think it was. Yeah, I looked up and, and you know everywhere had like the reviews were fantastic. I mean, it was at least I'm like four point four out of five. You know, cumulative on rate beer, which is really really good. And then I looked up, I'm like, oh my god, it's like eleven percent. Like, so this guy had like three or four, like what seven percent high lives, and then that beer. I think high lives are like seven and a half, seven six, something like that. <laughs> Jesus, messed up. Luckily, yeah. they, like, down here, I mean. I, I don't know if it's a Florida thing and it's from Florida, so they don't really take into account that it's a 7.6 beer, but they'll pour you like, you go to places and they'll pour you like a 22 ounce for half air. I'm like, you pour in a 22 ounce, like 7.6, that's pretty messed up, but they'll do it. Yes. And if you want to check out last week's episode or any of our information, you can go to skibumpodcast.com. We have our archive there, all of our info, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. We're on the socials, twitter.com slash ski bum podcast, facebook.com slash ski bum podcast. And we have been hitting it extra hard on instagram.com slash ski bum podcast. Lots of new followers, lots of cool content, lots of new interactions, new friends, new friends. Yeah. So thanks for all of our new, you know, new connections and supporters. We're also on SoundCloud as highfalutin ski bum and Pinterest as highfalutins. I like uh, our SoundCloud. That's the legacy. We, you know, if you want to hear some of the legacy stuff, our early days, that's you go to SoundCloud. I think, though, with our rebranding and relaunching this fall, that we're going to start paying more attention to SoundCloud too. So I think I might do some pinning tonight. Little tease. Ooh, another tease. Yeah, yeah, look out for that. I mean, we do have some Pinterest followers, which is pretty funny. Like, I, I just never paid attention to it. That, that we have some wonderfully pinnable things as well. So yeah, so gonna have to step it up on the Pinterest game too. But before that, let's start. It's time for Opre today. Opre today. You want to start off first this week, Brian? Do I ever? Last week. Yes. <laughs> So I mentioned last week that so far, all of our podcasts for July, I had been drinking a Treehouse beer. And I said, you know what? Why not make it four in a row? Keep it rolling. So I'm keeping it rolling Treehouse style, which is kind of baller, kind of fancy, kind of wonderful. So this week, I am drinking a Hurricane, which is an American double IPA. Ooh. And it is featuring Simcoe and Citra hops. It coats the tongue with luscious hop oils and carries notes of tropical fruit, citrus, and ripe mingo. And this one is, it's a double, so it's a little bit heavier than the green that I had a few weeks ago. 
it's nice and cloudy too, but it's not super dark. It's a little bit lighter than some of the other, you know, you know, New England style IPAs you're going to get, but I mean, it just smells so tropical and hoppy and wonderful. And it's, it's, it drinks a little thicker, but it's got a lot of good flavor, but still feels light enough that you're not, you know, like you're not getting destroyed by it, but it's, it packs a punch. So if you can get your hands on this thing, I highly recommend it. It is delicious. Very nice. All their stuff that I've had is really good. I don't think I've had anything that I didn't like from Treehouse. I don't think they make anything bad. Yeah, I think they that's what they, they flush the dookies with, right? They would exactly that's what they would do. They would fill the urinals with bad beer. Anybody needs to wash their hands, just grab one of those uh beers that were thrown out. How about you? What are you rocking today? So I'm rocking a phase from Four Quarters Brewing Company. Um now this is a delicious uh I gotta say this is a little cloudy, not like super cloudy. Uh yeah, it's good and cloudy. Pretty cloudy. Um, but, uh, American pale ale, it's uh 6.5%. Um, and it comes in a nice 16 ounce can. What I like about the can, it's like, it's like the moon phases in like a little circle. Oh, uh-huh, look at that. Yeah. You know, like a little spiral, um, spirogyra, spirogyra. And, uh, it's like a flat black with the, uh, with like the metal can showing through. So I kind of like that. It's pretty neat. Uh, good packaging, but I tell you what, the beer is delicious. Um, it got like a, a very high, very good rating on beer advocate. And I saw it written up in a magazine recently. So that's kind of why I target it. Um, I ordered it from craft beer seller up in, um, what's it? Is that the Warren one? Uh, Waterbury, right? Waterbury. You know, what? I looked at the Waterbury, but I think they ship it out of a different one in Massachusetts. Massachusetts, I'm I'm not sure. Oh, really? So it isn't the one in uh Yeah, I don't know Vermont? where they ship it. Like I think their online store might go out of the one store and then they have their other locations. So I gotta see. Um, but they have them all they, they actually have them all over the place. Houston, like they have one down here, they have them, you know, up in Vermont. So uh interested to see if uh they ship different beers out of different places too. Hmm. But uh that was from our recommendation from our buddy Brandon who helped us out and um, helped me keep in, in some good Vermont beer. That Shout I got. out to Brandon. Shout out Brandon. Um, but yeah, this is good. It's a very drinkable uh, APA. Uh, it's not, you know, as hoppy as your IPAs, but uh, I tell you what, it's, it's really very tasty. Um, I wouldn't say it's on this. It's a little bit on the citrusy side, but I wouldn't say there's any notes of like any citrus fruit or anything in it. So it's not like on the fruity, uh, but it's a very solid, easy drinking um, APA. Uh, very good. So, oh, like this. Nice. Mm-mm-mm. And you said they're out of Winiski, Vermont? Oh, these guys? They are out of, they just posted something on Instagram that they're going to be at the uh, Brew Festival up in Burlington this weekend. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think our invitation was lost in the mail. Yeah, unfortunately. I hate when that happens. <laughs> It happens, you know, we got a lot going on. I still haven't changed my address. So, you know, I'll, I'll get, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. That's true. It was not a slight on us. No way. Exactly. No way. They are out of, yep, they were Winooski, Vermont. Okay. So that's just north of Burlington then. So it says they're a microbrewery with weekend tasting, offering house brewed craft beers and local farm goods. So I'm wondering if they do like a, um, 
a farm mar- farmer's market while they do the tasting. Oh, cool. That would be genius, actually. Yeah, right. Like farmer's markets. I don't know why. It's like, it could be the same vegetables from a grocery store, but I know they do have like fresher stuff and more farm stuff. Uh, I just like... Hey, you're, support, you're supporting local farms. Yeah. But even so, I just like the format. Like if they had a farmer's market inside, I wouldn't like it as much. I like it outside. So there's like, something a little more... Yeah, there's something more charming about it too. Yeah. There's one down by us every Thursday that I never... I, we We've... I've gone past it. I've never actually gone into it and got stuff, which know. you know what's going to happen. Like once the, the like late fall winter hits and they're going to be gone until like the spring again, I'll be like, Oh, I should have gone to the farmer's market. <laughs> That's right. You had your chance, my man, make it happen. Got to make it happen while you can. Yeah. Well, the other thing about this phase brew is um, it says it's once a year. So I guess it's, you got to get it while it's around and then it disappears till the next phase of the moon, I guess. I like that. Oh, it's good when things aren't available all the time. Makes you appreciate them a little bit more. I think things are too available right now. Like I remember when I was little, people would travel like, Oh, I'm going here. I could pick up this thing from that place and this thing from that place. Cause you couldn't get it anywhere. Now it's like order, order prime. I can get it in two days without leaving my house. <laughs> you, know? you know, think about, deer and the rut you know there's like what is it, like a couple of weeks out of the year is the only time they can have sex huh. that's the only time they do it so that's why they get all freaking crazy at that, that time of the year why they're always fighting and jumping into traffic they're just like oh my god there's like a two-week period i get to have sex oh my god they're like freaking out and going crazy but, but you know what they appreciate it a little bit more because it's the only time they get to do it damn the rut yeah the rut look it up yeah. Rut, rut. Is that how they named Rutland? Rut, I, I believe it was. It's just, there's just massive, just deer Bang. sex parties happening yeah. there. Like, uh, eyes hedonism. Yeah. <laughs> eyes wide shut for deer. Eyes wide shut for deer. Fidelio. That's Rutland. Going in banging. <laughs> Crazy. So we only have one story this week in the app right today. And it's not really even a story. It's just something we came across. It is a chance for you to, to win a trip to the Burning Can Festival. That's right. Not Burning Man. Burning Can in Brevard, North Carolina. This is being put on by the good folks at Oscar Blues Brewery who are originally out of Colorado and they opened up another you know, East Coast brewery in North Carolina. So they're having this big festival. And they're having a contest and you can win a three-day, three-night trip for four to the Burning Can in Brevard, North Carolina, August 9th through August 12th, including airfare, transportation, lodging, and grub, plus VIP tickets. VIP. So, you know, have a link in the show notes if you want to check it out and enter. And hey, if you only have one friend and you want to take us as well, we'd be happy to join you if you win. So... That'd be cool. I actually went yeah. to school not too far from there. Brevard, North Carolina. Brevard. Oh, so is that like Western North Carolina? I believe so. I went to App State, so I'm from the mountains up there in the top left. Nice. See where it is. I think I was not too far. So amazing. You just pull up a map and have like, yeah, let's look at that. Just think, you know, you have to go to like a like a 
Atlas back in the day. It's to break out the Hagstroms. Remember that? Oh God. I actually just got rid of the one in my car. Cause my car is like 12 years old. And I used to have one of those, like the, um, you know, the one with the, the spiral binding. Yep. I had it for like the three counties I usually drove in. Yeah. So just in case I, I would have that to do carpet. And we used to look at, we used to have to go through the Hagstrom in the morning, figure out the route. And we'd have to follow that whole thing around. Isn't it amazing how complicated life used to be? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't used to, you know, and then it, it got easier because you could look it up on uh, Google and print it out and then people would still follow the paper. Yeah, right. Now you got jerk off staring at their phone no matter where they go all the time. Yeah, there's people like freaking watching TV on their phone while they're driving. Yeah. Well, the thing is too, you see people like on their phones like all the time and you know they're not doing anything interesting or productive. They're not reading, you know, some amazing novel. Yeah. Just looking at dumb shit. Looking at dick pics while they drive. Probably. Happening. That's what I do. Yeah, that's what I usually prefer to do, you know. Yeah. Especially when there's traffic, I try to, you know, <laughs> catch up on stuff. Puts you in a happy place, right? <laughs> makes makes me less, you know, angry when I'm driving. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so if you want to go to the Burning Can Festival, follow the link. We'll have it in the show notes. Sub, you know, send a uh, submission, and if you want, you can always invite us as your special guests. We'll be happy to go. And with that, let's get into the Genjula. You want to start off with our uh, bean of the week? Yeah, I'll start off with the beans. So Frank sent us a nice one. Um, he sent us the the um, uh, indica blend, indica strain uh, called Vister Nice. So it's a cross between legendary G13 strain and a hash plant. So it was previously unavailable until the 80s, until Sensi Seed Bank put its strain back on the market again. So the name is in honor of Howard Marks, who was an Oxford graduate who became one of the biggest cannabis smugglers of our time. <laughs> After his time in federal prison, he released an autobiography entitled Mr. Nice. So it was uh, named after him, said it's an indica dominant plant, uh, extremely dense buds with a sweet smell. So uh, they're, they're saying it will creep up on you and provide you with a strong, mellow high. Now, I sent this back to Frank because where I am, it's funny because it knows your location like the, the uh, Leafly app. And it says, sorry, this is not available in your area. I'm like, damn it. Every time I look. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. You're still in the Bible belt. On the Bible belt. Jesus uh, would never smoke the marijuana. The tool of the devil. <laughs> so they say it's a heavy, relaxing, uh, moderate, happy, moderate, uplifted, moderate, euphoric, and moderate, hungry attribute. Uh, negatives are saying... Dry mouth. That's that's usually pretty common for some of these good ones that we get. Um, heavy dry mouth. Uh, pretty decent dry eye. Very small dizzy. Very small paranoid and almost non-existent headache. Uh, and then medical, they say it's great for stress. Like top of line for stress. Almost top of line for depression. Uh, pretty good for insomnia, pain, and lack of appetite. So. Something would be said for the medical attributes right there. I mean, that would help me probably get some more sleep in my life. Wow, this one person in one of the reviews said, 
Uh, I suffer from destructive anxiety attacks and also have chronic joint and muscle pain. I'm disabled, mostly walking with forearm crutches for short distances. Mr. Nice addresses the anxiety and the pain beautifully. I often use my time with this Indica to stretch as well as it seems to soften my muscles, which are often cramping. Wow. Wow. That is unbelievable. Oh, that is awesome. So cool. Yeah, it's good to read some of the um, the comments because you really realize, like, especially that person, it's really helping them out, like, medicinally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you're see, hearing more and more of those stories now. And, you know, it used to be always just kind of blown off and like, yeah, whatever, hippie, stoner, bunch of nonsense. So take our drugs, the ones that Bayer makes, man, like Pfizer. So man, Ganja 4200 posted, great social high, had me up all night partying and getting poontang. <laughs> so he t- well, I think him and this person with the chronic depression should get together. That I, could be a beautiful thing. This is why I love, I love the comments. <laughs> Like when the people are like, man, I couldn't remember my password at work. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I forgot I had feet for two hours. <laughs> it's like, okay, so I don't know. You obviously were smoking this going to work. That's pretty messed up. That's awesome. <laughs> it's not about dosing at that point. It's about timing. It's like, I am a commercial airline pilot. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Plane flies itself anyway, right? Oh, yeah. You got a co-pilot. Good to go. You don't really need to fly if you don't have to. Earn your stripes today, kid. We've talked about it several times in the last couple podcasts about Massachusetts and how they have legalized marijuana and they're still kind of rolling out their their licenses and dispensaries for, you know, to recreationally go and purchase. And a lot but, of places are doing this, right? It's like illegal, but it's like not available. It's like just weird, right? Yeah, they're just taking their sweet ass time rolling it out. Yeah. The, uh, the licenses because they want to make sure all their friends and, you know, connections are all getting the licenses first so that they can make the money off of it. Cause you know, play ball. that's <laughs> how it works. But there was an article that came out on the Boston globe site and the article is titled the legal drug we should be worried about. Isn't marijuana. And it says alcohol is far more dangerous substance. If the state of Massachusetts is thinking about making it easier to get, well, and as it stays legal, more and more places are going to be able to do the statistical comparison now. So that's going to be ongoing, I'm sure. Right. Uh, but they were saying that in Massachusetts, one in five adults drinks excessively, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. One of the higher rates in the U.S. Last Doesn't that sound podcast, crazy? If last week's podcast is any indication of how... <laughs> society's going i i kind of tend to agree with that two in two ski bum podcast hosts drink excessively <laughs> according to the center for podcast alcohol consumption and control <laughs> the c cdp scc well define they I, I don't know if this article actually defines excessive yeah you no know, because that's kind of a subjective term well, it's like if you have two IPAs in an hour, you're drunk. I think you're, you would probably be legally drunk, right? That'll do it. <laughs> if, if, I'm just saying, if you had uh, three high lies and one 11% beer, I think that kind of checkmate. <laughs> yep. So the article talks about um, 
you know, just like the public health perspective and, you know, how alcohol advertising, you know, they, they should be advertising and everyone's having a great time and it's so much fun. And, you know, that's, that's how they, you know, get you to want to do it, you know, and they see everyone having fun. You're like, I got to have some of that too. That's looks fantastic. But, um, they're saying that I guess the, the, the way they advertise it's controlled. Like there's only a certain amount they can do. Um, and then they're like, they've got, they've lost happy hour. Oh, wow. They abolished happy hour, but they might be bringing it back. No, where is that? They're abolishing happy hour. They have. Yeah. I know some States, they still technically don't. Oh, what is it? There's one of the States I was in there. Like there's no, no such thing as happy hour. It's a um, Vermont too is one of them. There's a bunch of States that have it. Like they can't offer discounted alcohol, but they just find other ways to, you know, like, Oh, you, your beer is full price. We'll give you free wings or nachos or something. Explain it. Sushi Yoshi. They, they can't do the hap. They can't do the discount alcohol, but they can do free food. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So Vermont's one of the States. And let's not even talk about Utah because I'll get all pissed off and start on another tirade. (laughs) They're saying also that Massachusetts Alcohol Task Force called for major changes in the liquor laws, including relaxing restrictions, which would increase drinking, uh, while also recommending measures that will raise prices, which you think would lower consumption. Hmm. But like, it's one of those things like if it's a dollar more, you're not going to, it's not going to stop you. I think they're trying to hedge to to appease the alcohol lobbyists that are probably saying, look, we're going to lose a big part of the market. So why don't you relax some of the alcohol rules and stuff, you know? Yeah. But yet I've heard Jersey wants to make the uh, the legal limit for driving. They want to lower it to down what, what you have to have for a CDL. It's like 0.05, which I think right now is 0.08. And they yeah, it's 0.08. They want to lower it to like 0.05. I heard that's been going on for a while. And which is, if you have a CDL, I think that's the limit, which is like, you can't even have one beer an hour. Like you you can't have any, like very little alcohol. Probably good if you're a truck driver. Yeah. You don't want someone driving a, one of those double, double tractor trailers and, you know, hooping down some high lies. Well, that's just it though. Like even if you have a, a license, even if you're not driving a truck, let's say you're going just to a local bar. And you come back and you blow a 0.06, you're in the legal limit, even though you're not operating a truck or you're not on duty, you're, you're, you still, because you have that license, you're still under that rule. Oh, you're still subject to that? Oh yeah. Oh wow. I didn't know that. Our buddy Gary has a, uh, he still has his CDL because he used to drive a truck and he explained the whole thing. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, I got, he's like, I can't even have like one. Like you go out, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty much a designated driver because of his class. There's license. Oh man. Jeez, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then they're saying they want to do that for everybody. So it would be universal, which is a big deal. That is a big deal. Wow. I didn't know that. Heavy drinkers are super consumers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a super consumer. It sounds like a good thing, right? Yeah, right. It seems like you get some sort of like gold card and you know, you, you buy 10, you get one free, that kind of thing. That's not like a Mario brother. That's like a super Mario brother. It's like, Wow. Yeah, it's interesting. This is going to be crazy. I, I think this is just the start of it. And I would imagine 
you're probably going to see more of this and and I'm not surprised to see it in Massachusetts because it's so heavily populated and it's on that whole Eastern corridor of population. Well, all those like Northeast States, they're all so corrupt too that, you know, everyone's, everyone's in everyone's pocket there. And there's all these established, you know, groups that are making all the money off of everything, you know, New York, New Jersey, Mass, Connecticut, all of them, they're all the same. And you know what? They, they pit us as rivals in baseball and football and every sport. But you know what? They're just making money off of us both ways. Both teams. Doesn't goddamn matter. They have like a little secret society meeting of like all the states and the politicians. They're like smoking up and drinking. Skull and bones, right? That's what they're out of Yale. Yeah, it's right, right there. Mm-hmm. All right. Another thing with uh, marijuana. Next up we got, and this affects, uh, it was interesting for the ski community. So uh, a ski widow is stiff for a man's legal marijuana use. So there's a a ski worker at Loveland that was crushed last year to death while working underneath the magic carpet at Loveland ski area. Um, Toxicology reports uh, after his death indicated a high level of THC in his system. Now the argument here again is THC stays in your system for a number of days. So um, it doesn't mean he was impaired while he was working. Like you can't really prove that. You could just prove that he had it in his system, which there's no test to tell like how much was actively in his system if it was impairing him. Kind of like, well, alcohol tells if you're at that level, then you're probably impaired. So um, this is really weird. So there's a Colorado law that says THC in the system um if it's found in the system employers have the right to workers comp benefits to slash them by 50% if it, the test turns up positive so this widow is looking at uh, only getting 50% of the death benefit uh, after her husband um you know got crushed in this accident it's pretty pretty messed up but it's one of those things that's coming to surface because a lot of people don't know the laws cuz it's just it's all brand new yeah, that just seems like one of those things where they get a couple of dickhead lawyers in there to come in and find ways to find, you know, find excuses for them not to pay out what yeah. they're supposed to. Yeah, Even though it ha- may have had nothing to do with what caused the problem, it's just something they can just check off and go, oh, so yep, 50%, you're only getting half just because of this, because yeah. we say so. It's crazy. So the the widow's going to appeal the decision, you know, of course, who wouldn't? Um, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, this is going to be, you know, th- another thing that's going to be ongoing is like, because it could stay in your system, you know, how can an employer say, you know, we tested you for marijuana, you know, randomly or whatever, even if you're a legal state, you weren't impaired while you were at work. It's just how different is that from drinking? You just don't have a test that can see, you know, if it's impairing me or not. Yeah, because alcohol's out of your system in a couple hours, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, you I could you, you could have three three or but... four high lies and one of those uh, vanilla milkshake beers, and you know, it's out of your system in two days. Yeah, crazy. And I was walking. I wonder if I could got a. Uh, I wasn't drunk and disorderly, but I wonder if I could have gotten if somebody wanted to screw with me. One of those drunken public. Drunk in public, right? I was drunk yeah. in public. It was so weird. So you step out of your house, you're drunk in public. So you're supposed to drink and stay inside. The key is to get... Now, what about if you have an RV? If you live, that's your house, but you're driving your house. Are you in private or public? 
Well, I heard if you are in possession of keys to a car, whether you're near the car or not, you could be walking to your car. If you haven't gotten in your car, they could still give you a D to DUI. So the key is to Keystrom. Keystrom. That's, that's, that's what I always heard. And I was like, I don't know if that's true, but that's pretty scary too. So let's say you're not driving and you're getting ready to hand the keys over to your friend that's not drunk. And the cop stops you and says, you getting into that car? Yeah, we're getting into the car. They give you DUI. You have the keys to, to be the driver in your Hammond. Hmm. But no, but what about, but what about if you have an RV though? And that's your house. Inside of it, are you in, is it private? So, so if you're driving on the road, you're smoking <laughs> weed and drinking, they can't stop you. But it's in your house. It's, it's in private. Right to privacy, man. You come in. That's <laughs> my private. This is my house, man. <laughs> out of my goddamn house. That's true. All right. Think about that. You get more screwed or less screwed. That's what I'm wondering. That's your legal loophole. Well, what, aren't you like your own pretty much sovereign nation if you're in an RV? Well, then what's the difference between an RV and just living out of your car? <laughs> Say, officer, I'm living out of my car right now. RV, you can't mail stuff to there, right? Who says? As, it's a, a car's just a smaller RV in my my estimation. <laughs> I mean, you can have it's definitely a recreational vehicle. I mean, you can pee in there if you have a bucket, right? Yeah. It's the same idea as an RV. You just don't have an enclosed area. You don't have a kitchenette. Well, you do. You have a passenger seat that could be your kitchenette. George Foreman grill plugged into the cigarette lighter. Oh, That's yeah. your kitchen. <laughs> Of course. Put a little tent off the side. Dude, I wonder how, I wonder if there's a way to legally argue that if you're in an RV, you're your own sovereign nation, no matter where you go. Like Pretoria? Like Pretoria, exactly. Or the place in like the, um, is it, we talked about it once, like, is it near like Slovenia? Like they, oh, what the hell is it called? It's like a, it's like a, its own nation. They like, Bitcoin is like their official currency and. Uh-huh. Oh, Liberland, I think it's like like a libertarian, like utopia. And that's where they do all the the illegal hacking and stuff, and nobody can touch them, right? There's no rules. Something like that, yeah. Drinking booze in a rotor. <laughs> Here is it. Le- well, that's the other thing too. What if you're not driving, and you're drinking in your motorhome? Now you have an open container. Is that treated the same as if you had an open container in a car? Because they'll give you a ticket for that. That's very complicated. Yes. It's between Croatia and Serbia. Liberland. How about if you have an RV in that country? You're like a sovereign. I All mean, bets are off. You're, you're like a pirate nation right there. You do whatever the hell you want. So, yeah. So be careful out there, people. Well, that's like, did you ever see Wild Wild Country on Netflix yet? I watched the first two episodes and me and Andrea were both like, this story is moving to goddamn slow like they just keep going back to like how creepy oh he's so everything he says is so quiet and so peaceful and calm and i got tears in my eyes It's like okay we get it yeah let's get rolling with this story yeah i gotta say about episode four you're just like what the fuck this could happen in our country like you're just surprised yeah that's what i've heard because like again they were really good at interpreting laws and rules and they figured out that if you have a certain number of people, you can actually form your own in Oregon. I think it was Oregon. Um, yeah, Antelope, Oregon. You could form your own 
town and run your own town with a certain number of people. Like, yeah, you can incorporate your own town. That's the part I got to. I was just like, what? I don't know if they changed that, but that's pretty wild. You get like 200 people. If we get all of our podcast followers right now from Instagram and we get them to move out to a place, I think we could have our own town. We got to pick a dope spot and we can just, yeah, I think that's not a bad idea. Is there any place to ski in Oregon? Damn it. Dude, Mount Hood is out there. Oh, that's even better. Right at the base of Mount Hood. One of the longest uh, seasons in the North America. Highfalutin, highfalutin ski town. <laughs> Highfalotia. Highfalopia. We'll make it where there's no houses allowed. You can only park RVs there. RV right. Only. That's it. Have tricked out RVs, whatever you want, but all RVs. We'll make it a, it'll be a commune. Yeah. And it'll just, uh, yeah. Sprinter vans. We'll have our buddy up there with the sprinter van. <laughs> Yeah, infamously Jones and his uh his van. Dude, he posted on Instagram. He just slept there the first night. It looked freaking awesome. That's so cool. Like he walked down as like a luxury resort. They had a beautiful view, like it, from the picture he took. I'm like, that's way to go, man. That's the way to do it. Way to go. The only thing I can't rationalize is the duking in the bucket. But then again, I guess that's what you do. You got to make it work. You're or you wear adult diapers. That works too. You know. Think about you it. You wear. Set them on fire after. How no big deal. Diapers made for skiing. Ski diapers. Ski diapers. I think Spider makes those actually. It's a little like spider web design on there. Nice. So if you shit yourself going down the mountain really fast, it would enhance somehow. It would just uh, it would reroute for optimal balance and and speed. Wow. You think like the U.S. ski team wears those? Casey. No doubt about it. <laughs> Let's go to ski news. First off. Noah makes El Nino prediction for winter 2018-2019. All right, let's hear this. This This is like the orange juice report for me. (laughs) Yeah, frozen concentrated orange juice. Enso neutral is favored through Northern Hemisphere for summer of 2018 with the chance of El Nino increasing to about 65% during the fall and about 70% during the winter. Ooh. So that means it's starting to crank up a little bit, uh, possibility-wise. Was it similar last year? or uh, I don't remember, but it sounds, it sounds about right. It's funny. Throw out numbers. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. They have a picture there. So they're saying that from December through February, what, it's, what that could mean is that for the... Pretty much like Utah, Colorado, the Southeast, all the way to the uh, Southwest, I'm sorry, to the Southeast could be wet and cold while the Alaska, British Columbia into the Pacific Northwest could be more warm. I think that's what they're saying that. So yeah, so it's looking like uh, El Nino is, is getting to be a strong possibility for this winter, but you know, more to come. Things change. We don't know for sure, but this will definitely, it may help influence you on where you're going to plan your trips for the season. So we'll, we'll keep these, these, you know, whenever we get a new update, we'll be sure to talk about it. So that's where we're at right now for the 20th of July. Quick story here. The conditions in broken river, New Zealand uh, are being reported as cold, white and powdery. So winter 2018, they're saying, is a good one down under. Uh, conditions are cold. Snow is good and plentiful. 
So they're saying they're having a good, uh, really good uh, start to the season. It's always a positive thing seeing a little bit of snow. Nice. Uh, I guess is it is it still early season for them, or is it kind of like mid season at this point? Uh, you start like June-ish, right? I think it would be mid-ish, mid-ish season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I gotta say, like all the reports I hear every year, there's there's a certain point in time where it seems like New Zealand just gets pounded all the time. Like, yeah, they have their um, they have their moments, and it seems like now they're getting one of those moments, which is great to see. So, hey, if you got some little extra cash, you know, you played the uh, Mega Millions tonight or Powerball, one of those ones that is like four hundred million tonight. So maybe you, uh, we're gonna have a high flute and ski bum uh, airplane by the end of the weekend because. After I get drunk from winning tomorrow, we're going to hang out and buy a plane. Cause I, uh, I, as a member of the executive board of the highfalutin ski bombs, I will approve that purchase. <laughs> it's going to be a company plane. Cause I want to want to write exactly. that. Exactly. You know, it'd be cool if it was like a mini soul plane. Oh, like not something freaky. Can't be like, like normal. Like, I don't want a big one. Like, just like a 20-passenger plane. Uh, how about we go up in, uh, like, C-130? Be like a freaking gigantic C-130, tricked out, like, two floors. We can put our RVs in there. Oh, r- ride right in. We don't even get out of the car. We ride in, then get off, and then sit in seats. We got, like, hot tubs and shit. I think that work, would work pretty good. And maybe they could just drop us off on the mountain. Oh, just with the, uh, with the parachute right in the... Pop out the back, back. yeah. Right in the RV. All right. Congressional committee approves bill to return some rental fee to ski areas. So this bill got passed this week that will return at least half the rent paid by our ski resorts to the national forest where they operate. Three members of the Colorado delegation are primary sponsors of the proposed legislation in Colorado. The white river national forest near Aspen would be a big beneficiary of the ski area Fee Retention Act. The 11 ski areas that use the 2.3 million acre national forest paid about $20 million in rent to the U.S. Treasury last year. That's crazy. So they pay it to the Treasury and none of that goes back to the national parks. It goes based on a budget of like they allocate like here's $2 million or something. It's crazy. That is really crazy. They say that the ski areas contributed more than $37 million in rental fees in the U.S. Treasury each year. And Colorado contributes the most of any state at $25 million a year. Yeah, and the fees paid to the federal government are not used for any specific purpose. Yeah, the Ski Area Fee Retention Act would direct part of the rental fees into an account within the U.S. Treasury to be saved by the Forest Service. That's a great idea because you know what? Everybody talks about protect our forests and protect our our land and it's like well that's now now at least we have money for it because otherwise they're like oh you got to do fundraising and all sorts of bullshit when they're taking money and using it for probably roads and you know creating stuff that kills our forests or something who knows it does seem very goofy that the 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 where the money is coming from the actual area that it's affecting is not getting the money that is like how the budget of my company to the parent company works let's put it that way it's just, it's, yeah, well, that's big government for you. Yeah. Just wasting, wasting, wasting. That's crazy. That'd be good for the national parks. Oh, no doubt. That would be great. Have a lot of infrastructure and a lot of like up, upgrades they want to do. Yeah. So more to come on that, but this is like a pretty, 
pretty positive bill that's uh, been proposed. Oh, speaking of national parks, I got to get out to some of these parks, man. I've heard so much about like Arches National Park and some of these other things. I mean, Zion, all those, yeah. I've got a Zion. I never went to Bryce Canyon. Have you been to Zion or Bryce or anything? Nope, neither. Zion's really nice. It's close to Vegas. That's where you do the Vegas and then hop up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arches, I heard, is like far. It's like a long ass drive, like in the middle of nowhere, but that's a, another benefit to it. It's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. After sitting in traffic today, I'd be very happy to be driving somewhere in the middle of nowhere with no people around. Dude, Yellowstone. Do Yellowstone for a week in, in the summer. Just hike. Yeah, right. That'd be kind of cool. Wolf Creek is officially the first solar-powered ski area. So uh, Wolf Creek is near and dear to our heart because of our buddy Nick, who is, uh, has family out there and has skied Wolf Creek a lot. And we hope to one day join him on one of these epic journeys to do a little backcountry out there, uh, which is another thing we got to make happen. Then again, if we don't have any other ski trips, uh, I'm up for planning something like that. That would be so cool. Yeah. Um, well, are we gonna are we gonna buy the uh, the Silverton heli skiing operation? Well, I hit the I hit the Mega Millions tomorrow. We might buy a ski resort. We'll buy all of the ski resorts. We'll just buy the whole goddamn national forest. Right there for sale, right, Trump? You guys have you guys have money, tremendous amount of money. Buy all the forests, buy all the parks. I don't want them. They're queer. Don't need them. Losers. Only losers hang out there. We'll just go out and start buying up every little mom and pop and putting them into one little pass. So we'll have the Epic Pass, the Mountain Collective, and then we'll have our little hot flute and ski bone pass. It's all these little rinky like Mountain Creek and shit like that. Be part of it be awesome but you know what like for, and for the people who have the pass we'll have like some sort of like like vip like they can only go to this like we'll have bars and like dude it'll only shops just yeah. for them only only pass holders and it's limited we'll have it done the right way so it'll be like kind of like the hermitage club but like done right for the regular guy hermitage for the, for the, for the regular, regular man that's right <laughs> You know, if anybody doesn't know Wolf Creek, Wolf Creek gets probably, I think, some of the most snow out of any ski area in, in Colorado, right? I think that was the yeah. general statistics. So um, they are, since twenty since 2006, they've been offsetting 100% of their winter and summer power usage by purchasing wind energy. Um, so now they're saying they're able to make the switch from wind to solar for the resort and which they've been working on for years talking about it. And I guess just looking at that and uh, they actually in 2017 in November, they completed a project called the uh, Penitente solar project. And they, it's a 25 acre solar farm that keeps Wolf Creek running and it's nine chairs spinning about 50 miles away from Wolf Creek, which typically sees about 400 inches of snow per year. So that's pretty freaking awesome. So they're saying that, so by 2030 though, right? They want to have everything to solar. Yeah. They want to have everything, but I guess they're saying the chairs are being a hundred percent now. So the ski area, but they want to have everything like any other facilities they have. They don't have like a huge footprint of facilities though, which is good. Yeah. They don't have like all like the, the ridiculous nonsense crap that a lot of the the big resorts are going to have. Yeah. Like, oh, we have like the Nintendo Center in here that needs to be powered by, you know, how many kilowatt hours 
know, of, of video game nonsense they're showing. I mean, yeah, they're, they're pretty lean, their operation, but the fact that it's all zero emission, like that's, that's really impressive. That is awesome. Um, I gotta say it's pretty lean. So I've never been there, but I'm imagining it's a little more lean than snowbird, which is pretty lean. I mean, they have place to stay, maybe a few places to eat, but you basically ski, eat, go to sleep and ski again the next day. Yeah. So I like his idea of investing in a place in Pagosa Springs. I am all for that. I mean, that's, that's the town that's closest to it. We hit the lottery, put, we slap a helipad on top of that house. We got a little, we got a little, uh, we run our heli tours right out of there. Right I don't even the think house. lottery is really necessary for something out there. I know. I know. I think it's just cash out the 401k. Cause you know what? It's nonsense. Anyway, you who knows if you're going to live long enough to use your 401k. I want to run a heli blimp operation. You think anybody will fund that? I think there's probably three crackheads right now. <laughs> Who just won the lottery? Who might want to help you out with that? Heli blimps, man. Heli blimps. Nice, relaxing ride. <laughs> you might only get one drop a day if the wind's right. <laughs> now, I'm trying to think if it was like in a cartoon or if it was in real life. Like, remember, like, I think it was a cartoon. It was like a handheld, like, helicopter. I think it was probably the Jetsons or something. Like, you had like, imagine like you like a little, your own private, like, handheld helicopter. And you could just use that to go hell skiing. Yeah. Ooh, jetpack. Jetpack skiing. Jetpacks are, yeah. Jetpack would be nice. Now, why couldn't you do jetpack skiing? That'd be kind of cool. Even better, you go off a cliff. Boom, I got my jetpack. I'm not putting a, a freaking, you know, parachute. I'm jetpacking. Imagine that. You're like, oh my God. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh my God, that is the coolest person ever. And flying around like Iron Man, man. Backflip like off a cliff and then just like jetpack out. Tony Stark, that shit right now. Yep. Boom. Unless, of course, you're back flipping and all of a sudden you hit your jetpack and it launches you right into the cliff to the side of the mountain. Yeah, that would be bad. That would be... That'd be bad karma. Yeah. That's the opposite of what you want to do. So... Yeah. <laughs> Here are five places to kind of earn your turns. So this is like a nice article that Unofficial Networks posted. Cause it's always nice seeing these little new, like a lot of these list things come out during the season, but it's nice seeing it before the season starts. So you can think, think about things and be like, Oh, you know what? I've never really thought about going there and didn't think about that, but this is a, this is a nice little possibility here. Exactly. This goes into the planning soup that everybody does, right? Planning soup. Exactly. So first one on this list is Bert. Oh my God. Someone's going to yell at me. Berthoud pass. Berthoud Pass, Berthoud. Beartooth. So this is the well-known ex-ski resort just outside of Denver and has some amazing shuttle access in addition to the steep skin tracks. While the ski area was still in operation, many sections of the pass road were utilized for bus shuttle laps. Areas such as Hell's Half Acre, Floral Park, and the 80s to 100s offer amazing backcountry snow and terrain. Driver hitchhike to the top of the pass and within a few short steps, you'll be ripping it up. Next, Powder Mountain. Technically, the last backcountry entry on the list Powder Country at Powder Mountain offers snow goods with zero sweat. This terrain area access is a short road crossing away from the top of the resort's main lodge. 
at the bottom of this, the run, ski resort buses make a U-turn and take happy skiers back to the top. The area is managed and mitigated by the area ski patrol, but the terrain feels wonderfully empty and raw. Hmm. Next, Donner Summit. Exiting the backcountry gate off Sugar Bowl's Summit Chairlift provides easy access to Donner Summit. Although it is one of the most popular backcountry locations in the area, Donner Lake does provide a stunning backdrop. The lake run is 2,000 feet of descent split only by a short hike through the unique Donner train tunnels. Hop back into the car at the bottom of the run and save the skinning for later. It's so funny how many things are named Donner now. Donner Pass, right? Up in Lake Tahoe. And like, could you imagine these poor bastards had to like eat each other and were dying? And now it's like, oh yeah, there's like the Donner Pass Starbucks is right here. Dude, I read about, so I read a book recently and it was about uh, one of the psychologists that was after, after World War II um, when they were having the trial, the Nuremberg trials, he was actually with, um, who was it, uh, Himmler? I forgot which ones were, were on trial, which ones like didn't kill themselves. Um, I think he killed himself. I think he killed himself before he, after he got sentenced anyway. But it was a really good book. I, I got, I'll, if anybody wants it, text me, you know, send me a, an email, I'll send it back to them. But it was very interesting. And he grew up like up there. And I guess they grew up around Lake Tahoe. And it was a, one of these things where like he was, I guess his dad was pretty affluent. And um, they collected like Donner memorabilia. And it was like ridiculous Ugh. shit. Like, and this is back in like, you know, he, he was writing this from like the 60s or the 50s, his account of it, you know, whenever World War II ended. But when he grew up, you know, he's talking about his parents, like in the thirties or twenties or whatever. And, um, they would collect like bones, like kid bones from like the Donner parties. <laughs> like, like I guess they found the remnants of the villages where all the shit went down or like cabins. And like, I was like, that's pretty freaking morbid, but I guess they have a museum. Like they, they were saying in the book, they, there's some big museum with it out there still. Um, Oh, it's just creepy stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. There's two more on the list. Beartooth Pass. For summer backcountry corn skiing, few places can compare to the Wyoming-Montana border. All winter long, the rugged Beartooth Mountains are nearly inaccessible and saved from powder hounds by a 17-mile road closure. When the road at the top of the pass opens Memorial Day weekend, lines such as Rock Creek and Gardner Headwall see floods of skiers. Easy hikes along grassy plateaus will deliver you to 40 degree, 1500 vertical foot runs as your buddies holler from the road turnout. <laughs> and lastly, Mauna Kea. Although it is the least appealing ski run in this guide, skiing in Hawaii is an experience all in itself. If a tropical vacation isn't enough to shake off your powder buzz, the Big Island of Hawaii does get enough snow to make turns. Taking the road all the way to the top of the 14,000-foot Mauna Kea will allow lucky visitors a chance at pineapple powder. The few short options to ski are road lappable and make for an entertaining story later. Wow. How, how far is that from the lava flow right now? Um, that's, I, that's a good question. Is it? I I'm not sure. Is Mauna Kea the one that's blowing, or is it a different one? I have no idea. I there's one that was always active that was always spewing stuff, and I think that's the one that acted up 
So Mauna Kea is dormant, so that's probably not the one. Right. Um, I think it's more like the, yeah, it's like the, um, it's more along the edge, along the water, isn't it? It is in Pahokee Lava Volcano. Let's see. Man, they have updates every hour on this thing. Kilauea. Kilauea, okay. Yeah, that's the one that's always kind of acting up every couple of years. And it's funny, you hear like, people that go there like, oh, yeah, we went and visited the lava and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's great. You realize that shit's going to go crazy one day, and now it's going crazy. Dude, when we were there on our honeymoon, we, we, we saw like active lava flows. I mean, they said, the, the tour guide was like, again, I don't know how he was full of shit. He's like, in the last, like, this is the best it's been in the last like seven years. <laughs> and we got like a couple miles away. Or like best, like, it's best, not- like visible. Like, oh, wow. I mean, we could legit see it because it, it was it was going right into the water. So yeah, you, you could see like just red, like a red river and then just like steam. And I mean, it's, it's making the island bigger. You know, it's, that's how these islands all formed is from lava flow. Yeah, they're saying like the big story this week was that there's a little baby island that got formed uh, in the ocean where the lava was flowing in. So there's technically another landmass, another little island that just got formed. And I think Richard Branson already called dibs. I, I, you know what? We just take a little boat out there and and just like plant a flag on it because uh, I gotta say it's probably it doesn't look that big, about the size of somebody's yard. Still, you got Hawaiian real estate. Not bad. Waterfront all around. Waterfront, yeah. All resort beachfront property, man. <laughs> you want to finish off the ski news? Yeah, so last bit of ski news that we got. Uh, I tell you what, so we talked about um, the gentleman that went from ski jumping into uh, road cycling and is a one of the world's top professionals right now. So uh, Primo's, Primo's Roglic, actually misspelled it in our little outline, which I'll change. But um, Primo's actually, they, they mentioned him as a contender because he won, he I guess did really well in one of the big other tours before the Tour de France. Tour de France is going right now. Um, was it the Tour de Pharmacy? Tour de Pharmacy. Oh, oh that was it. <laughs> hasn't seen. It was on HBO, right? It was like one of the... Yeah, it's one of the weird like little sport movies that are like 45 minutes long. Like Seven Days in Hell and then they have like Tour de Pharmacy and uh, what's the other one? Um, the best is the whole thing with John Cena with that dude who wore the weird like two thin spandex. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I was bike riding with somebody. I won't even say who it was, but he had some old spandex and we're riding, you know, road and we're trying to follow each other. And then people are like, dude, I can't follow you. He's like, why? He's like, you're, you're freaking, your spandex is see-through right now. He's like, oh, it's really old. I'm like, dude, I'm not riding with you anymore. It's like you're naked. Uh, <laughs> you don't like seeing dicks and balls and stuff. You probably don't want to watch this, this movie. Oh, that's awesome. But there's one that's like, yeah, he's he's wearing these spandex and it just looked like a like a pistachio in a bird's nest. <laughs> <laughs> but John Cena is fantastic in this movie. Oh yeah. He is he's absolutely hysterical. <laughs> All right. So, there's like big name actors in this. Oh yeah. And Cena's like he's in a new movie. I forgot the name of the uh the new one that's out. It's on almost on video or on video now. Um Shit, forgot the name of it. I'm sure it's based off of some sort of Shakespeare play, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be pretty funny, though. Uh, 
There's a lot of good people in it. But anyway, so Primoz Roglic, he's Slovenian. He competed in ski jumping, um, was the junior world ski jumping champion in 2007, competed from 2003 to 2011, went to the Olympics, um, represented Slovenia in the 2010 Olympics. And he is now currently racing the Tour de France. And he is sitting at number, after 13 stages, um, he is sitting in number four. All wow. Of uh, the overall, which is pretty goddamn impressive. So, yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. Like, I love these, seeing these people who can trend, you know, can go from one sport to another, you know, to be that athletic and that talented. Um, I mean, cycling, you know, there's, it's definitely, it, it requires probably more just will and stamina than talent. Cause again, you're just kind of, there's definitely some talent to it, but it's a lot more mental. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're, you know, it's, you, you pedal a bike, but there's also strategy. And again, it's, it's the, the will the, to, to keep pushing, to keep going, to be able to, to do these, what, 140 mile a day rides for a, a month. They do about 110. They do three weeks with, uh, I think it's three rest days. So the problem with, and I've said this before, is like you hit that third week and your body just can't, you can't ingest enough like and like uh, food to like replace what you're losing, what you're burning up. And you just like start burning up your muscles. It's just, it's nuts. Like it, it is amazing to see. And it's amazing because like they were racing up, um, uh, Val, Val, um, oh, not Val this year. They, they were racing up, um, uh, one of the big, um, finishes yesterday. Um, yeah, stage 12. Uh, it was finishing in Altuez, which there's a big ski area in Altuez now. And the whole reason the ski area and the town was even built there was because of, of bicycling. So like bicycling brought skiing over to that area, which is kind of cool. It's like all up in the same mountains. So it is this massive mountain climb that is like, if you win it, it's like one of the things like you, you don't even have to win the whole Tour de France, but if you win that one stage, you can claim like, Hey, I, I, I want to up to as, you know, it's kind of a huge thing. Um, so they had that race yesterday and he was, dude, this, this guy was keeping up. And like you said, the strategy, like the whole, usually I think they have like a seven man team usually. And everybody is like, you know, you know, you take anybody, if, if no, if nobody's a team, you know, you're talking about a different race altogether, but now you go as a team and it's all strategy. It's like, you know, somebody is leading somebody out and they're burning themselves out, but they're doing it because they want to carry this person, you know, who's going to finish the race, maybe fifth or first or second or third overall. So it's kind of, kind of pretty cool, but this is his year. They're, they're like, if you're the guy that's in the lead for your team of the classification, that means they're all working for you. So like, you know, other people might win a stage or they might, you know, carry points on like, you know, hill climbing or sprinting or something like that. But they're all, ultimately they're still designing it around trying to get you to the best position. So he's right. got to be the top guy in his, and he's having a great year this year. So he won a few big tours and, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things you pay your dues and he's young enough and it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting to see. I mean, some guys never get the limelight. Um, they're always what they call the domestiques, always helping out the, uh, the other riders on their team, but they're solid riders. Like they're, they're guys that are just freaking awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. 
Very cool. So number fourth. So I'm interested to see he's, he's really positioned for, he's like two and a half minutes out, which isn't that bad, especially with a lot of mountain stages still coming up. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll keep tabs on that. Very cool. All right. That wraps up the ski news. So let's get into our main topic. Mario, you want to uh, introduce this for us? Yeah. So um, basically we're talking about being safe and sound. And what this means is whether it's in your own home, in a second home, beach house, or what we like to think about all the time is your ski house. You can't be there all the time. So with modern technology, there's been a lot of products that came out um, and keep coming out that, you know, you might want to look at for keeping your place secure, monitored. Um, so you don't have to have, you know, call someone and say, Hey, can you look at my place? Like a lot of times you could just log in and be like, Hey, I can see what's going on in my place. Everything's fine. So we're talking about smart home stuff. Uh, recently I had a, I've had probably about two months or more of dealing with smart home stuff. And, um, it's been going pretty good. I got to say, uh, we've also had, you know, things we've spoken of friends of ours about having ski houses where they, uh, actually started this whole conversation way back. And, um, you know, with things like the ring in the nest, I mean, I have friends that have, you know, a lot of people have jumped on board with that because, you know, the ring, if anybody doesn't know, it's a, it's a doorbell that, you know, takes a video of anybody coming up there. It does two way, uh, communication. So you could be at work and still communicate with somebody dropping off a package, which is pretty neat. Um, and then the, uh, nest is the, you know, control your, uh, thermostat for your house, uh, anywhere you are, which is great. If you forget to turn it down at the ski house and you're, you know, 50 miles away, you don't want to turn back. You just log on, boom, change the, uh, the setting and you're not wasting energy. You know, you're saving a little bit of money. Um, and then for me personally, everybody's using Alexa, uh, or the Google, Google home and, and all the other things that you talk to, those are getting integrated now too. So it's a very big market. It's very confusing to set up initially. Uh, but I think if you take a few steps and we'll go through them, um, there's, you know, a lot of benefit to planning before you actually go out and start buying. So, uh, I guess before we get into like the recommendations, Brian, you want me to go th- through the things to consider? And this yeah, because you just you just did this, so you actually installed something in your place and went through this whole process of figuring out and uh, and analyzing what was important, and you know made these decisions and had some sort of justification for it, right? Yeah. So I think you know going through it, I read a lot of stuff up. Um, I talked to a lot of friends too, like, and that was the one thing for me is I talked personally to people, um, and then just started analyzing stuff. And I was like, look, I'll try some stuff out. I'll look at stuff and look at reviews. I did a lot of good research. Some of the key things I came up with questions, things to consider. So number one, what is your comfort level of being hands-on or hands-off all the time? And you got to think like you're at work, you're in the middle of a drive. You don't, you know, you're not going to stop and and take care of something like, you know, how hands off are you comfortable being with, you know, like, um, and the other thing is, do you have like pets at home? Do you have, you know, are you planning for, you know, uh, a winter area where you have to worry about freezing? Are you in a beach area where you have to worry about flooding? So there's, there's other things you got to think about. Uh, so when emergencies arise, what comfort level are you going to be 
being hands-off or having somebody or something else handle it. Um, other thing is how smart do you want to go? So there's the full blown out thing where you want to be able to automate everything, you know, doors, windows, lights, you could automate every light, every outlet in your house if you want, but how far do you want to go? Do you just need the uh, front light on the porch and the thermostat, or do you need, you know, window sensors for security motion sensors? So something to think about. Um, the other thing is what kind of interface do you want to have? How do you want to be able to check this? Do you want a phone call? Do you want somebody to look at it for you and then call you? Do you want to be able to log in? Do you want to alert on your phone? Um, these are things to think about. Do you want it to interact with uh, Alexa or Google play or, or whatever other device you might have? Um, other thing, uh, next you have, are you okay with, do you want, do you want the data? Like if you have cameras, do you want it to be stored or do you want it to be stored in the cloud, uh, stored on a chip, you know, on a, uh, a thumb drive, you know, on site where you'd have to actually go to the, go to the house or go to the camera and actually like look at the video, or do you want to be able to look at it from your phone or have it stored somewhere? Like, you know, so something to think about, um, budget, budget is a huge thing. Um, you could spend, <laughs> I've looked at a ton of different stuff. I probably could have spent three times what I spent getting my whole setup, which, um, you know, I have, I don't have a doorbell, but I have cameras. I have a garage camera. I have motion sensor in the garage. I have uh, window sensors in the in the house. I have water sensors. I have smart, um, you know, uh, I only have one uh, smart smoke detector. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, so even what I bought, even having all that stuff, I could have spent like probably triple what I spent getting different branded devices networking differently. So you kind of got to, you know, take that in consideration. Uh, and it all goes with how much do you want to set up and, and how do you want it to interact? Um, and then the other thing is like, you know, how long are you looking for it to be smart? You know, do you need a few months out of the year for it to be smart? Are you looking for, you know, all the time monitoring, like, you know, what's, what's the deal? If you're going to be at a ski house, you know, for a solid three months during ski season, and you're not going to be around the rest of the time, that's different than if you live at the ski house, you know, except for two months out of the year where you travel, you know what I mean? It might be a little bit different of stuff that you need. So I would just say, think about that, figure out what you want to solve. And then the other one I didn't, I didn't put on my original outline is, um, just to think about, think about in terms of what problem you want to solve, right? And that's go, good. That's the, probably the best place to start, right? That's the best place to start because all these questions get answered in that. And I would recommend to anybody, even going through this, do one little thing at a time because there's like <laughs> three, I got to say three to five setups that I did. And I didn't do them all at once because it'd been overwhelming and I probably would have scrapped everything. I did them one at a time because I was like, all right, I set up smart sensors and I had a problem with one sensor. So I fixed that. And then I set up the smoke alarm and then I set, you know, I set that up after I knew the one thing was working. So it's kind of like I did it progressively and that was a little bit easier to do. So I'd suggest that too. Very cool. So then what did you start off with? You said the, the, the motion sensors. 
Yeah. So, so I started off with, I, I use the Alexa, the Amazon Alexa, and I started off with just having that talking to it. And then I found out, Hey, you know what? You can have outlets. And I was living in an apartment at the time. And so I got a bunch of outlet plugs that talked with Alexa. So I could actually say, Hey, Alexa, turn on light in the living room. Boom. Light in the living room goes on. Right. So I was like, cool. So I had that in my belt. I was using that for a little while. I moved into my own place and I'm like, all right, I want everything. I want some things to work with Alexa the way they did in my apartment. Cause I want to be able to say, Hey, I walk into a room with stuff in my hand, turn on the lights and I don't have to worry about like fudging for the light. So I moved into my new place. I had a, it's a bank. It was a bank owned place, pretty shithole. So uh, I had to redo a lot of stuff. And in the kitchen, like there's like a two-way switch. So I actually replaced that with an Amazon switch that, um, not as Amazon, with a TP-Link switch. The um, link is in in our outline. But basically I could walk into the kitchen, say uh, Alexa kitchen on, and boom, all the lights go on in the kitchen. It's great. So I did that, did that in the, in the bedroom. So that's what I started with because that was easier to do, right? Uh, then I went out and I said, well, I want to do window sensors and door sensors. Cause I was like, you know, I, I'm worried about a little bit of security. So I went out, I looked, did a lot of research. I ended up with the wink hub. Um, and the reason I picked that is when you start looking at like different sets of stuff, like, you know, door sensors and, you know, window sensors and motion sensors and, you know, cameras and all that stuff, you'll realize that a lot of the sets have a hub and the hub will talk to those devices and the hub will connect to your router. Right now with Alexa, all the devices connect directly to your router. So you're actually networking through your router, whereas these other things network through the hub. So it makes it easier uh, on your network because you have one connection to your network and then that hub is doing the connectivity to all those devices. So you know, it helps to have a hub, but, um, I wound up going, looking at the price, like I could have gotten the hub for this, this thing called the wink. Um, or I got this wink lookout set is what they call it, which includes the hub. Uh, and that was instead of paying 150 bucks just for the hub, I paid 200 bucks and I got the hub. I got, uh, two motion sensor, uh, one motion sensor, two, um, door sensors and a siren, a chime. You know, so it's basically acts as a doorbell or a siren, you know, you know however you set it up. Um, and the, the benefit of this one was um, it worked with Bluetooth LE, Zigbee, which is another form protocol, Z-Wave, uh, Kitta, which is the Kitta alarms, uh, you know, smoke alarms, and Lutron, uh, which is a uh, popular outlet company. Um, but what happens is like, so all these companies come out and they make their own method of own protocol for communicating and the wink actually communicates with a lot of different ones. Whereas when you look at some of the other ones, they're limited, like they'll communicate with like maybe half of the list that the wink has, or, you know, and they, they change all the time. That's what I'm saying. Like that's what it is right now, two years from now or a year from now, you might have something else or some of the other ones might, might change, you know? Yes. They have on their website, they have all the different, companies that they interact with yeah so yeah like like sylvania and nest and you know schlage is it schlage for locks yeah 
So it's kind of cool. And you could go nuts with this. Like that's the one thing, like, you know, I have little sensors, right? I was looking at getting a, a smart uh, doorknob. So you can get a doorknob and a deadbolt that's smart too, where that locks by, by remote, you know, and, and gives access via cell phone. So, you, you know, and this is where it goes to what problem are you looking to solve? Now, mm-hmm. if I had a rental property and I was going to turn this into a rental, I might want to put a smart lock on the front door so that I could remotely uh, give a password to somebody on their phone to say, oh, you rented my place. Here's the password. As long as you have your phone, the lock will unlock when you're within like five feet and you'll be able to get into the the unit, you know, whereas that, that would be my problem to solve right now. That's not my problem. So it's kind of like, you, you kind of got to look like, cause that, that will cost you like another, you know, hundred bucks plus the installation. If, if you're handy and you do it yourself, you know, there's no installation costs. If you're not, you're going to have to pay somebody probably like 50 bucks to put that in, you know? Right. So, and now did you uh, get cameras as well? Yeah, I did get cameras. So cameras is another thing for a big option. So you can either go with all balls into like one big setup, uh, which you'd have to find out which one can give you the whole full thing. I broke it up into different pieces cause I'm cheap and the way it works, um, even though being separate, you can make them work together. So I went with the Blink Surveillance, which is, they're owned by Amazon. And they sell a, another hub for that. And then they sell them in sets of one to five cameras. So depending on how many you want. And I got the Blink XT, which are the indoor-outdoor. So you can put them out like they're waterproof. Um, and it's cool. You put them up anywhere. They have infrared um, you know, so I could look at my camera and it'll show me like in the dark, like infrared. So you can see in the dark it has motion sensor. Um, it has sound. So it's kind of, it's pretty cool. It only has one way sound This the ones that I got, but some of them have two way so that if theoretically you saw somebody, um, on the camera, you could actually talk to them, have like a whole conversation with them. It's pretty, <laughs> cool. uh, so these are pretty, pretty small. So I went with that. I mean, me, it was the need and the cost. I mean, I got two cameras with the hub for about 230 bucks, which isn't bad. And um, now how does that one work in terms of memory? Now is that cloud-based? Is that like a local hard drive that you would use? So this one doesn't have anything local. It connects to your network via the hub that comes with it. And that hub will actually, you set up an account with them and it stores it up in the cloud for I believe it's 30 days or until you hit like a certain, you know, memory limit. But what it does is when the motion sensor gets triggered, it actually takes video for about 15, 10 to 15 seconds. You can actually change the setting. So it takes 10 seconds of video when the motion sensor gets triggered. So you can see what triggered the motion. And, you know, if somebody's breaking into your place, you could see, hopefully you get their face or you get, you know, something on it. Um, If it triggers, I also get an alert that pops up on my phone and I can actually just go in and look at the camera and start, start playing it. So it's kind of, it's really kind of cool. Um, there are other ones like the, uh, the ring. Um, if you get something like that, now that's the doorbell one. It actually, there's a wired version, there's a wireless version. So that's another thing you got to figure out. Do you have wires? Are you going to wire it? Uh, or are you going to do it the wireless and, and remember to change the batteries? They'll give alerts on that one too. Um, the batteries on these, I got these cameras. Um, 
there's a battery in it and the battery is supposed to last two, uh, two years. Oh, nice. Yeah. So chances are, you know, it's years that you're going to have to change them. And by then you don't even know if the technology is going to change drastically. So, you know, uh, but something like the ring, um, it stores it up in the cloud, but I'm trying to think how it works. Um, it stores it online, but if you want it stored in the cloud, you have to pay a subscription. It's like 10 bucks or 12 bucks a month to have the cloud store it for you. So, you know, then you're talking about an ongoing cost where nobody's monitoring. You're still monitoring yourself. Whereas this one I got is I don't pay anything ever. Uh, it just stores it up in the cloud, you know, just that limited bit of time. And I'm fine with that. You know, for me, it's, it serves my needs. I'm not going to store anything more than 30 days. I don't really care. Um, now, one of the cool things I got was the, uh, the Halo Smart Lab smoke detector. It does smoke and CO2 in one. The cool thing about this now, the, I guess, Ring uh, Nest, Nest makes one too. I think it does a similar thing. The cool thing with these is they come with a battery that's good for like 10 years or something like that. So basically when the battery goes dead at 10 years, uh, you're supposed to replace, even if it, you know, is still working fine, a smoker or CO2 detector, you're supposed to replace them. So it's designed that the battery lasts the life of the device. So you just, you'd have to replace them anyway. But I think the Nest works the same way. And what this does is I can actually go on the phone and I could say, even though I'm not setting it off, it has an um, LED lights that can actually have it do like a mood mood glow. <laughs> so it's pretty neat. If you put one in the room, you can actually set all the uh, all the devices to the uh, the same mood glow. It's pretty neat. It's like a little party thing. Oh, nice. Um, the was it the Nest one? I think the Nest one has where you can actually talk to Alexa through it. So some of them have like where it's an Alexa device. So you'd actually say, Alexa, turn on, um, you know, play some music for me and it'll play it through the speaker that's in the uh, smoke detector. <laughs> so it's like dual purpose. So now you don't have to get like one of those pucks, one of those uh, Alexa, you know, one of those Amazon dots. You can actually get one of these smart, um, you know, devices that you're going to have in there for smoke detection and CO2 and have it do both things like, and lights and stuff. So it's, it's kind of cool to see that, but that's what I mean. You really got to figure out like, what do you want to do? If you already have smoke detectors, like, yeah, I just got one in the main area. I was like, all the other smoke detectors I have are the regular, you know, regular, just old fashioned smoke detectors that are networked in. So, right. Um, so there really, so there's a lot of different options. Um, but like you said, it seems like the the most important thing to ask yourself is what problem do you want to solve? Yeah, because there's there's a host of things. I mean, you can get a doorbell. So the, the doorbell is a whole thing. Like everybody figures, you know, I moved into this place. I was like, you know, I got a doorbell. It already works. I'm fine with not having a doorbell where I can see huh. like who's who's knocking at the door. Um thermostats like i probably i'm probably going to change my thermostat i got to find the right one i was looking at the vine which is pretty cheap at 130 bucks the nest is about 220 bucks so you're talking about you know an extra 100 bucks just to lay down on a device um but you also have to look at your unit and make sure it's compatible so a lot of sites before you buy it go on there and there's ways to look up what unit you have or the wiring and to see if it's compatible because you want to make sure that they're compatible because don't you need like a 
like if you were to put a nest in, don't you have to get like a certified nest installer to do it? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know if there's some insurance you need or whatever, but no, not for a thermostat. A no. thermostat is low voltage anyway. Um, so you could do that yourself and there's instructionals to walk you through it. Uh, it's just sometimes like depending on the uh, HVAC unit you have, you might have like four wires or five wires or extra wire, like depending on the wiring. So that's kind of why they say like, just check online. And a lot of times they're compatible with almost anything and they'll tell you how to wire it. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. You could do it yourself. Okay. Nice. You know? Um, and then back to the camera thing. So I know like, you know, you said this one, it gives you 30 days worth in the cloud, yeah. but there's other, some other options too. Like if you really wanted to store your own information, you can actually set it up to go to like a, to like a hard drive or, uh, a NAS and have it recorded locally or they like some of them use like like memory cards, right? Like uh SD cards. Well, yeah, you were looking at the NAS thing now. Like if I had like, let's say, you know, cause I could install the same stuff in, in a business, right? So I could have, if I had a business and, or I felt, let's say I had two houses, I had a regular house and a ski house, you know, you could have, them stored locally plus up to the cloud if you want. Like, so there's, there's different options. Like a NAS, you're talking about storing it onto, you know, like a central storage that you own. Right. Yep. And having everything dumped there. So it depends what you're looking at and, and what you want to store. Yeah. We'll have a, we'll have links to all this stuff in the show notes. Cause there is, there's a lot of stuff to, to go through and, it is really crazy just how cheap this stuff has gotten over time. Oh, it is. Because think about like five, 10 years ago, what you'd be dropping if you wanted to have some cameras, smart thermostats, smart plugs. I mean, that was like futuristic stuff that would cost you, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. I imagine a lot of this stuff too is going to be almost standard in a lot of new homes. Right. So And the other reason too, like, you know, like I said, you got to ask those questions before you start going down this road is like, who's going to be using it? What are you using it for? Because I tell you what, you know, my mom, you know, she's, she's older and she's going to be, you know, moving soon. And right now she has ADT, um, doing just, you know, the regular window sensors and stuff like in a, in a regular home with a, a whole little keypad and they monitor it and stuff like that. Uh, when she moves, she, she doesn't have a cell phone. She, you know, she doesn't have a smartphone and she's not going to want one. I've already talked to her about it. (laughs) So doing something like a hands-off service might work for her. They have like Brinks, ADT, this other company called Simply Safe, and they all have different levels of what they offer too. So, you know, it might be a subscription service, but now, you know, that person living in the house won't have to worry about working on a smartphone. They'll just you know, punch in a code when they walk in and set it when they leave, you know, stuff like yeah. that. So there's all different flavors. You just got to figure out what you want. I mean, you may even want to throw up a camera if you have outdoor, you know, maybe you have an outdoor shed that you just want to throw a camera in. You know, you don't need a whole huge smart home setup. You just get a camera and a little hub, hook it up. Now you got that monitored, you know, with one little, one little quick setup. Yeah. The good part now is it is everything's Wi-Fi. You don't have to wire anything if you don't want to. Um, they do have it where you could wire it, but you know, now with the battery life, I guess it's uh, 
so much easier. It makes it nice and easy. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, this was a lot of really good information and, you know, we'll have all the links in the show notes again and links to all these products that are available. And yeah, if you guys have any questions or comments and, you know, want to add anything or hit us up, keep on podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. I may throw up on uh, Instagram, some video of me uh, playing around with the, uh, the smart um, smoke alarm. That, that'd be pretty cool. You're a like disco glow ball. Oh, and you can the color too. It's awesome. <laughs> a lot of fun. Nice. Under the ropes. Mario, start us off. All right. So if anybody doesn't know, Prime Day was last Monday, I believe it was at 3 p.m. It started. And um, I was looking forward to it. A lot of people were looking forward to it. And they had zones all over the U.S. that immediately around 3.05, they went live 3 o'clock in the afternoon and about uh, Eastern time. And about 3.05 Eastern time, uh, the huge spike began and started bringing down um, zones of Amazon uh, in like, so if you look at the map, it's kind of like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, like that whole area right there. Uh, some parts of Florida, Texas, even Mexico, um, Seattle was pummeled. Uh, it looks like Northern and Southern California and just different little hotspots around the, um, around the U S were also hit. So what happened is, um, (laughs) everybody kept getting, so Amazon, when you, when they, when they do like an error page, they do a, sorry, something went wrong on our end. Um, little message with a, uh, you know, suggestion to go back to the homepage and they put up a dog and, uh, they put up a little doggy with like the name of the dog and it's, it's pretty cool. It's like the dogs of Amazon. Uh, so <laughs> me trying to get in on that day, I just kept getting dogs. And the good part of it though, is they're different dogs. So it's kind of cool that they play around with it. <laughs> different dogs. So you could see pictures of cute dogs. Yeah. And not be too pissed off. They probably did like, like tested that, that saw that people were less annoyed and sent less angry messages if they saw pictures of dogs. Yeah. And the cute dogs, like some of the dogs are jumping. Some of the dogs are just kind of sitting there chilling. Some of the dogs are like hanging out. Like, so it's kind of, it's kind of cool that they do that. But, um, I gotta say it's, um, I, I haven't seen the stats after it, but they were saying that with the outage, they were pre- so they're saying they were projecting to earn about four billion dollars in sales. Wow! Um, if the if everything was up and running, but they're saying <laughs> the thirty hour event um, last year the the thirty hour event generated about one billion dollars in sales, which is about thirty four million dollars an hour. So Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that crazy? So they they were projecting four billion dollars this year. So I don't know if the outage affected it or if they were just overselling because they were having such a big, you know, a big crushing of their website. So pretty amazing though, I gotta say, because they they are they are scaled up. I mean, that's what they do for other people, for companies. I mean, that the the AWS cloud, you know. So they're on that technology. So the fact that they got pummeled means they had some crazy amount of volume 
Yeah, they're saying um, they've announced their results. People purchased over $100 million in products. Or $100 million products. Sorry, not $100 million. That's a shit ton. Yep. They did not provide specifics. And more signups for Prime on July 16th than any previous day in the company's history. Did they discount Prime that day? I don't know. Did they? Or are people just signing up to get the deals? Maybe signing up for the deals. Because it was kind of one of those things, if anybody doesn't know, I guess Prime Day, you have to be a Prime member to be able to get the deal. Right. Deals limited too. So like they might have, let's say they have a thousand of a certain item. They actually sell out and you get on a wait list. So um, I guess the entry part would be, you know, signing up for Prime, which that that's pretty amazing. I wonder if they're going to like start tiering Prime, having like Optimus Prime, which is like 250 bucks a year. Yeah, which right. is like even better. Right. And then like standard, like basic Prime. Get like a 10% discount, plus you get like even better shipping or something, you know? Yeah. But even the shipping, like I was talking to somebody and I didn't realize that they're like, it's not guaranteed two day shipping. They say it's two day shipping, which they guarantee it'll ship in two days. And I was like, wow, you usually get your stuff within two days. It's like, yeah, most people do, but that's the, that's the small print, the fine print in case it doesn't get there. Ah, I was like, CYA. I never realized that. Cause I have had stuff that didn't come in two days when it was supposed to. Hmm. Um, but they send you an email saying, Oh, your product's delayed. And you're like, yeah, that's cool. It's delayed. I don't, I don't really need it in two days. I I'd like it in, you know, two or three days, but you know, yeah, that's pretty crazy. They're saying, uh, and everybody had black Friday deals going. So it's like mid year. Yeah, every, everybody's like kind of becoming prime day. Yeah. Sellers now. It's the mid-year Black Friday. So they started probably like, I think it was like two, three, maybe longer. Um, started doing like almost halfway point, but it's usually July, like right, right around 4th of July. So I think they translate the 4th of July sale into like a Black Friday, which is like a week or two after, you know, especially with online shopping, they, they started doing that. So Prime Day fits right in there and everybody else was doing... You look at like Macy's and Target and they're all doing a Black Friday. Yeah. Oh. All right. Next up. So this is an updated story from a couple of years ago, but uh, the Notosaur dinosaur mummy unveiled with skin and guts intact. Whoa. And they're saying that they don't have just a dinosaur. They have what a dinosaur would have actually been. So they have like a mummified dinosaur not dinosaur bones right it's a, a new species called notosaur and it was an enormous four-legged herbivore protected by a spiky plated armor and weighing in at approximately 3,000 pounds they said the mummified dinosaur intact weighs still weighs 2,500 pounds and they're trying to figure out to how this mummy remained intact for so long and they're saying that it, it may have been swept away by a flooded river and then carried out to sea where it eventually sank over millions of years on the ocean floor minerals took the place of the dinosaur's armor and skin preserving it in a lifelike form that's now on display wow yeah 
So it is on display at, let's see the name of the place, the Royal Terrell Museum of Paleontology in Alberta, Canada. Hmm. I mean, it's so, I mean, again, the pictures, you really can't. Freaky looking. Determine. Yeah. I mean, it looks almost like it's got a beard. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, like it's lower, lower head. Yeah. It looks, it looks a lot like the Game of Thrones dragons. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I guess they, they got a lot of renderings like artistically from like, I guess the imprint they made in mud and they would leave behind like a trail of like the imprint of them. And then they would get the bones and piece together, like what they would look like. And it's kind of cool, but this is actually like, so like the skin is still on the skeleton, which is pretty effed up. It is. Yeah. I mean, it may have been like said converted to something. Yeah. But yeah, it's all, it's all still intact. So some, some sick fuck is like, how do we, how do we cook it up and eat it? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah, I want to eat dinosaur. It's fucked up. Wasn't it crazy to think like those, you know, all those like old school reptilian dinosaur looking visuals that we're used to was just some, someone interpreting it and some artist creating it based on that guy's interpretation. Yeah. And that has just become the default. That's how they look. Well, you know, it- idea we have in our heads. Yeah, they've actually corrected some of those like ongoing, but they don't know what color any of this stuff was. Like, how can you tell color, right? I think they've tried yeah. to do it like the technology to figure out, like, I don't know, there's some probably some way they can try to estimate what color something was, but like, yeah, they make a uh, um, you know, dinosaur like purple. How do you know it's, it wasn't purple? You know, it could have been, could have been a Barney looking thing running out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So, all right, this is from uh, our good friends in the UK. So nobody likes a neighbor who doesn't pick up after their dog. And uh, actually, it wasn't in the UK. This is in Maui. Wow. So what happened, two Maui residents were, were upset at finding poop in their yard that they menaced another neighbor with golf clubs. So what happened is uh, these two neighbors blamed their other neighbor for planting dog feces in the yard. And they approached her um, and they say hurling obscenities and wielding golf clubs. So the victim reportedly um, was praising damage to her car's windshield, which I don't know, doesn't say if it was related. Um, When one of them entered the car and then followed the dog owner into her house. (laughs) While they were following her into the house, they threatened to harm her. Um, so all this ended up, so this whole crazy cop scenario (laughs) ended up with, um, a charge of first degree terroristic threatening, as well as first degree burglary and first degree unauthorized entry into a vehicle. So those two are like felonies. So this is pretty crazy shit, man. So in addition to that, they're saying third degree criminal property damage. So they must've hit something with the uh, golf clubs. So, geez, you know, I really wish there was, it or not, it's just it. <laughs> I really wish there was some sort of way, you know, and this is, you know, I, right now there's a little, I think it's a dog turd on my, in one part of my lawn. And I don't, I, I want to get a camera system for that, but also I wish there was a way you could easily like, 
they used DNA to determine which dog it came from. So I could oh. take it and fire it back into their yard, like into their yard. You could get it tested, but then you got to get the dog tested. You got to get hair and then you take the poop to a lab and then you match the hair with the poop. Yeah, that's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. and For a tiny little Tootsie Roll poop. <laughs> hey man, you find out whose dog that is and you, you just put it right in their, in their freaking mailbox. That's true, right? Set it on fire and put it in the mailbox. <laughs> you know, oh, you sit on fire, you put it on the front porch so they, they got to put it out. Yeah. But, oh yeah. So poo, maybe some human poo, you know, bunch of savages. Ah, it's you people are just such dicks with their dogs sometimes. I mean, I lived in an apartment in New Jersey, and I tell you what, it was the worst because we'd get emails all the time because people would just be like, you know, it's cold. I have a dog, and I know I got to pick up the poop, but you know what? I don't want to fuck everybody else. And they would just run back in. And you know, we'd all get emails, and people would be like, look, we're going to have to start cracking down on people having dogs. And it's like because of one asshole, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. If you have them, you got to take care of them. Yep. All right. And one more, one last story to end the week. This one's a, a fun, lighthearted one, I guess. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> I love, I just love the headline. Man steals date's car and then uses it for another date. It's <laughs> oh, awesome. That is baller of the year. Yeah. A Memphis woman feels betrayed after her date stole her car and then used it to go on another date with her god sister. With her god sister? Yep. Oh, it wasn't even a random person. It was somebody nope. that... Holy crap. This yep. is gold. This is, yeah. is going to be player hate his Hall of Fame. Probably. <laughs> um, it's, This article is pretty funny. This is as far as Knight's outgo faith pew said the one she had saturday with kelton griffin was disappointing from the beginning when he showed up he didn't even bring his own car oh man he just knocks on the door hey girl what's up yeah apparently they knew each other since the years in high school but hadn't spoken much lately until he reached out to her and suggested dinner texted her he asked me could i go to the gas station for him to get a cigar As someone who's gone to a gas station, got and asked for their finest cigars, nothing good can come of that. Nothing positive. So yes, they went to get the cigars, and uh, (laughs) you know she went in to get it for him, and he took the car and just left. That's fucking awesome. That motherfucker left, and that that lady had to call her mom to come pick her up. Ah, that's that's horrible, man. And then. She got a text from her god sister saying that this guy was asking her out <laughs> with her car. He came by to ask me out. He's driving you a car. Holy crap, man. Believe it or not, this was not this gentleman's first arrest. No? Yep. What? And it says back in 2016, police said he and two other men went out to eat before robbing a restaurant. Oh, man. Yeah. So they ate and then tried to rob the place. I guess. This guy is just, uh, he's just a person who makes a lot of bad decisions. Holy crap. Yeah. I like the quote from the woman that he stole the, stole the car from. Uh, Hope he's in jail for a long time. I never want to speak to him again. Boom. There you go. Are you saying? Girl power. going to be a chance for a second date. Yeah. What had happened was, it's like uh, remember those shows like Shipmates or uh, what was the other? 
the dating shows where they put them on. So you're saying there's no chance for another date? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, Awful. Well, you know, hopefully this guy can get him get his stuff together and become the uh, the man he is fully capable of. And Damn. Yeah, so that about wraps up the podcast for the week. Thank you all so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out at skibonepodcast.com. Check us out on all the socials, twitter.com slash skibonepodcast, facebook.com slash skibonepodcast, instagram.com slash skibonepodcast. We're on Pinterest as Highfalutins and also on SoundCloud as highfalutin-skibum. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, hi, stay fluting. See you.